it like we do it. Welcome, Talk LP fans. We have a tremendous treat, not only for Talk LP podcast fans, but also Apex Retail to Catch a Thief. So first going to start out introducing my co-host for the day, Stephen Antoine, Chief Security Officer uh, for Global Asset Protection for Young Brands. Welcome, co-host, to Talk LP. <laughs> Thank you. He's been in the hot seat before, but now he's stepping into the co-host spot. For our special guest today, which I know a lot of you are looking forward to, James Fripp, Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer for Yum Brands. Welcome to you, sir. Thank you, and uh, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, so lots of audiences tuning in for this today. Of course, our lovely Talk LP podcast fans, but also Apex Retail, which to catch a thief. So we're going to jump right into this because we got a short time for such a meaty uh, subject here. So some people in loss prevention or other industries, but specifically LP and security might be wondering, okay, Amber, unconscious bias. Now that's a, that could be a fluffy topic, but not here, not on talk LP, right? We're going to get into the meat of it. So some may be wondering unconscious bias, what is it? And why are we talking about it from a loss prevention perspective, not just it being all the rage right now. So James, we'll go to you. Great. So uh, again, thanks for uh, having me. And from an unconscious bias perspective, kind of what is it? Um, unconscious bias are mental associations without awareness, intention, or control of these things occurring. Now, what's really important about that, because, you know, we're talking about unconscious bias. So, you know, why does the unconscious thing matter versus the conscious? Well, the items that come out in an unconscious format often conflict with our conscious thoughts, our conscious attitudes and behaviors and intentions. Let me give you a quick example. A good friend of mine um, who happens to look different than I do, and we've been friends for a long, long time, really good friends, really good colleagues at work. And I was talking to him about the work that I do around equity and inclusion. And um, I was with the group, him and a group of about 12, 13 other folks. And, uh, and he says to me, James, I'm all in on this new work that you're doing, diversity and inclusion, as long as we don't lower the bar. I said, lower the bar? Who said anything about lowering the bar? And he said, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say anything about lowering the bar. And everybody around the table said, actually, yes, you did. Well, his unconscious was equating diversity to being less than. But that's consciously not who he is. I've known this guy for a lot of years. I know his heart. He's a good man. But that unconscious mindset had in there and it equated diversity with lesser than. So he said consciously, as long as we don't lower the bar. And so unconscious, um, unconscious bias, it exists, but it can also be in conflict with who we really are and why that matters is because if you make the mistake that my good friend did in the wrong audiences, what you've really said is you're biased against a certain group of people before you've even given them a shot. And that will negatively, your, negatively impact your ability to be effective. Yeah, and that's super tricky. I mean, just on the face of it, because if it's unconscious, you, you have to be a, a little bit at least introspective and self-aware to be like, hey, Step one, I might have this. And you probably do because you're human. <laughs> Steve? 
I mean, I mean, you're right on it. And, and, you know, it's even bigger than that because I mean, you're exactly right. What we're on is a journey of, of self-evaluation and self-awareness to James's point. You don't know what you don't know, but that's the point. There may be stuff in there to, to explain the why. And when it comes to LP, when it comes to risk and resilience, I think one of the things that we don't realize often is that in some capacity, we've been built this way, right? So think from a, just think from a loss prevention, a traditional loss prevention perspective, if you're dealing with something like shoplifting, you ever hear stories about um, people of color being followed in a store, right? Why is that? Whether that's conscious or unconscious, People will tell you, well, the statistics bear out. Well, that's just not true based on numbers alone, right? But, but that's how we begin our path. Um, and and if, if, you, if, you, if and when you encounter somebody that's good at what they do, that's why they send somebody in like a, uh, a majority woman with a baby carriage, right? Because that person is more likely to slip through the radar because nobody's paying attention to that, right? So, so we, we end up, um, acting on what we pay attention to. So the whole notion of unconscious bias is, is indicating that that's something that we probably should pay attention to because ultimately to James's point, it makes us more effective holistically. So that's what brings us here today, right? We're talking to safety, security, loss prevention and risk professionals that may accidentally have a blind spot that they are unaware of. Yeah. Which could majorly impact your flow of an investigation, your beginning, your middle, and your end. So well, not just that, not just that. It can also affect your effectiveness, yeah. right? As businesses evolve, you might not be a part of the team because you are that myopic and you might not be aware of it. Yeah, absolutely. So James, when it comes to, and I know you do a ton of, of speaking and a more, very global broad view, just like Stephen has really, um, what are you seeing, you know, when, when you're, we've been going down this 2020 path for a while, right? Well, for 11 months, right? So you think about everything that's happened in society and at your level, like where, where do you see business and, and how do we, from a, a global perspective, not keep this at a fluffy level? Mm. A lot, I, I feel like this is a subject that a lot of people can just say, Yes, we're all, we all have unconscious bias. We need to address it and then move on. How do we keep that from happening to make this actually stick? Wow. Um, thank you for that. Uh, it's a great question, Amber. It's, um, it's one of those things that in this day and time, it's, it's very, very dicey. Dicey in the context of people are so hypersensitive around this topic in this space right now. Um, hypersensitive, let me change the word and say fearful of this place in this space right now. Um, when you've got all that's gone on this year, um, people have, um, uh, have essentially chosen sides for all kinds of reasons. Um, uh, but I think what strikes me the most as I do this work is um, the fear of people not wanting to be negatively impacted by getting into this diversity space. What if I say the wrong thing? How about if somebody gets offended? Um, I don't want to lose my career because somebody said that I said something about them. And then when we say we want to focus on diversity and uh, maybe add more diversity to our organization, 
some folks hear that as, wait a minute, I no longer have opportunities here because you're going to be focused on adding more diversity. So that must mean I'm not going to have opportunities. And what I would challenge us to do is to, to have folks understand that uh, bringing more diversity to your organization is not a zero sum game mindset. We need to have an abundance mindset. The research shows that when you have diverse teams, your results are better. When your results are better, your business is better. When your business is better, you have more dollars to spend. You have more dollars to invest. You know, by the way, you have more dollars to hire people. So diversity is not a bad thing. How do we make it stick here at Yum? We are having multiple, multiple conversations in town halls where people just get to know each other. They focus on this thing called the art. Um, a lot of times people focus diversity and inclusion on the science, which is let's just get more of those people or have, do that and get more of those people. But it's not the numbers, it's not the science, it's the art. It's helping people build authentic relationships that lead to trust. And when you do that, it's very hard to hate because now I know you. I know that we have similar things that we focus on, similar things that we like to accomplish. So what are we doing here at Young Brands to help make it stick? In 2020, we've established a diversity and inclusion commitment, and we've asked every individual in our organization to make a diversity and inclusion commitment. It can be as simple as, I'm going to have lunch with somebody that doesn't look like me and get to know them. It can be, I'm going to mentor somebody. It can be, I'm going to reverse mentor somebody where um, maybe a person of color, um, like, well, let me give you a true example. Um, today, our chief legal officer is being reverse mentored by a junior person in our organization who's a person of color. And what's happening is that person of color is simply sharing with our chief legal officer, who's a white male, sharing with him what it's like to be a person of color in our organization, and they're able to have authentic relationships that lead to trust. With the goal then being that chief legal officer will get to know that individual in such a way that he'll mentor and sponsor him for upcoming roles. The other part that the chief legal officer learns and gets from himself is as we try to continue to grow this business and engage all demographics, not just some, to help us build our business, he's learned some things that he otherwise wouldn't have known had he not had that conversation. So for us, it's a couple of things. It's building those relationships and it's leveraging this thing called the diversity and inclusion commitment. Doesn't have to be something big, but just something small that you lean in and you start to get better at understanding difference, understanding and building relationships, and ultimately getting comfortable with the fact that while we may be different, our goals are the same. And from a business perspective, we can make the business, business bigger and better. And as a result of that, create more opportunities, not for some of us, but for all of us. Yeah, it's really interesting because this is um, an intersection of personal and business, bringing the personal into the, into the business realm. And it's so 2020, you know, when you think about it and it's, it's fascinating. And Stephen, I hear you talk often about getting comfortable with an uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversation. And um, I think that's phenomenal. I, I don't know how to do it. So I, I'm interesting. <laughs> I don't know if many of us do. I certainly, it's tough. And you think about the personal into the business and making everything better because these conversations not only impact our business, like you said, James, but our personal lives. So talk a little bit about it, Stephen, when you're talking about getting uh, comfortable with these uncomfortable conversations. Because as you said, James, I think people initially, you have a very 
personal reaction one way or the other. And you're, well, what about me? You know, that's tough. That's tough to overcome. It's tough to talk about, especially in some political settings. So what do you think, Stephen? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to have some really great mentors in my life. And one of them told me two different things. One, one piece of advice was sometimes your how gets in the way of the what. And he constantly asks a question. And that question is always, do you want to be right or do you want to be effective? <laughs> um, so, so I think we're lucky enough to work in a company where authenticity rules the day. And I think to James's point, where these things collide is that it is an and conversation, not an or conversation. And when you're being authentic, you're listening to understand, you're actually seek, you're investing, there's personal investment. And that means you're vulnerable. And, and what we're realizing is people don't like how that feels. People don't like to feel vulnerable. And in our underrepresented minority space, we feel vulnerable all the time, right? And when you say being comfortable, being more comfortable in unco having uncomfortable conversations, some of that is as simple as that. Being in places and playing in spaces that you don't normally play and, and learning how to navigate that um, to a position of success for all that are, in, that are involved in, in the space, right? Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that's, the, the fact that we have the, the chief diversity and inclusion um, executive in our organization talking to a loss prevention community, that's an example of exactly that, where things connect in ways that um, aren't necessarily intuitive until you get to understand the who, the what, and the why. And you get to that with an and conversation and inclusivity and authenticity during that process, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so knowing James that through the Yum brands, and and you guys aren't a small company, so mm -hmm. so certainly global, right? Mm -hmm. How do you how do you go about that in you know both modeling and also getting it from that executive level down to the people mm -hmm. in the field of such a huge organization? These getting comfortable with uncomfortable conversations because if you if you talk it but you don't walk it right at the very end of the day it's not helpful so from your perspective what's that like for you and yum yeah so um you hit it um amber uh, in terms of getting it down to the restaurants if we don't walk it so what we've done is we do uh, what we call town hall calls where um i will get on the line uh, along with um, some general managers in our restaurants and our some district managers and um, of all different ethnicities, backgrounds, and experiences. And we'll get on these calls and we'll invite um, as many people who want to get on the call um, to, uh, to literally have conversation about what are our experiences like, what's happening, what's going on. And um, in a recent one, uh, there was a young lady, um, African-American female, who works in a small town, um, a relatively small town in the Midwest and um, in, a, in, in one of our pizza restaurants. And she talked about over this past year, um, how she's been treated uh, when customers come into her restaurant and say things about her 
Um, they don't want her to make her their food. She probably is a member of that Black Lives Movement thing and, and um, being very, very ugly. Um, now she's the restaurant general manager and she's dealing with those things so much so that her employees are like, how can you take that stuff every day and not act or react? And, um, and she said, she goes home and this is, this is terrible and it's sad, but I'll, I'll get to a more direct response to your question around what are we doing? Because this young lady said she takes it, she does, she has to be strong for her employees and role model for them what it means to be a professional regardless of the situation. But then she goes home and she cries um, because she, she has to deal with these things. And so we have these town halls. So all of our folks are leaders. Um, and in this case, on that particular call, we had the chief operating officer, we had the chief legal officer, we had the chief marketing officer. All of our senior leadership is on these calls, listening to these folks in the restaurants talk about their experiences. And then we have some dialogue after that. That specific one, um, after we had our town hall call, and there were a number of other people on the call, we had a debrief immediately after that to help them with some of the things that they were dealing with. But then I did a one-off specifically with that young lady around how to handle some of these things. And so if we do our jobs right, we, to, to Stephen's point, we actually truly listen to what's going on. And, um, and then to your point, walking the talk, we do follow-ups to make sure that our people are taken care of. Because the only thing that we're charging with, charging um, our general managers and our employees in the restaurant with, is making sure they take care of the things that are most important to our business, our consumers and our product and our brand and ultimately the income for our entire organization. That's the only thing we're charging them with. So we have to make sure that we, we walk the talk because if we ever stop walking the talk, um, we will become irrelevant and the business will go away. That's all underpinned by the fact that Demographics are changing in such a way that if of the work that you do, if you don't embrace and engage all people, you're going to actually not be able to attract the very talent you need to make your business successful for the future. So um, let me shut up there. I can talk for days on this stuff. So. <laughs> no, listen, uh, and, and you make a good point, uh, James, uh, and all of this stuff starts to run together because the the, the question before this one was, how do you make it stick? And, and what you just articulated is it has to be personal. And what we do a very good job of here at Yum, and, and what in order to have success, I would argue that one of the way that has to occur is you have to personalize it. Mm -hmm. Because if, if, if you change the way people think and feel, you will affect the way they behave. Absolutely. Uh, and and that's, that's the how you model it, right? We, we don't make up the stories. We just have people share their own. And, and it's okay to be vulnerable. And to James's point, we, we have town hall calls that the CEO leads. And he has been vulnerable in some very, in some, some uh, very public ways. Everything from haircuts to how he's dealing with diversity and inclusion. And when you get it from the very top, that gives everybody in that chain license to share. So, so yes, and, and so if I can just make sure, because Stephen, your point is, is, is spot on in terms of uh, this notion of personalizing it. In the sessions that we are teaching around unconscious bias, or as we call it, inclusive leadership, with the, with the thought being, we call it inclusive leadership to say, if you're not going to be inclusive, you can't lead here, because that's the future. You have to be inclusive in order for us to be able to be successful. But to that end, in my call this morning with South Africa and in, 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 uh, Dubai, 
the question was asked, what were, what were you fearful of in taking this session? And what somebody said in the box, in the text box, if they text in their responses, said that you would try to change who I am. Okay, so just so we're clear, from an unconscious bias perspective and a diversity and inclusion perspective, the work that we're doing here at YUM and most of us in this space, we're not trying to change who you are. We're trying to build awareness to achieve the desired outcomes of our businesses. Now to Stephen's point, the way we get there, this diversity inclusion space is much more personal. It's much more deep. It's about my upbringing. It's about my background. Don't, hey, I don't want you guys trying to take away, you know, the history of my particular group and things like that. It's very personal, but it impacts the business. So we're not trying to change your morals, ethics, and values. What we're trying to do is make sure that you have a damn job five years from now. Right. Okay? Right. So that's what we're trying to do. I apologize, Amber. That probably came out no. a little but... Um, yeah, no, but, but there's the and again, right? Because people were assuming that, well, if, in order to achieve diversity, I either have to be me or I have to, you know, do something other than that. And what we're suggesting is augmenting and improving and adding to what already is. We don't want to diminish the growth and development in the history. We want to add to it, yep. right? Through awareness. So, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. These are fantastic points. I mean, I think that in, in, in summarizing a quick uh, final question, you know, when you think about uh, making these things stick and all of the different themes we've, we've touched on here, um, any, any parting thoughts, right? To say, hey, it, I love the fact that it's personal and it may be for our audience reframing for themselves, how they go into this conversation, like you said, Stephen, of being vulnerable and open and a la Brene Brown, right? Is one of my favorites when she's talking about, <laughs> you know, I had to get her in here, uh, being vulnerable and open to these conversations. And if you're not, if you're immediately like, you know, repelling, trying to change me, you know, you go to the defensive, maybe it's a question mark for you. James, and if you, what are your final thoughts here? Yeah, I, I think um, uh, I love your, your mindset around, you know, kind of reframing how you approach the conversation. Um, I think the, uh, the simplest way to, to, to engage in this conversation is going with the mindset of what can I learn that I don't know? What, what, what is, I just want to come away with a nugget or an insight or something that, that I don't know. I want to learn something in this conversation. Said differently, I'm not going to defend, I'm not going to protect, I'm just going to learn. And so um, one of the things that's easiest to do, people love to talk about themselves, right? So, you know, what I, what I do is I share things like, hey, look, I'm one of eight kids. Uh, I was a military brat. I was born in Texas, Arizona, Alaska, Texas, Turkey, Nebraska, Dallas, you know, so that's a little bit about me and that's how I got to be who I am today. What is it that you'd like me to know about you that give me some insight into kind of who you are? And that's it. And the person will tell you all kinds of things, which then starts the authentic relationship that leads to trust. 
So I'll just leave it at that. No, I, I love that. And I think the other thing that I was thinking too, from a, from a theme perspective is this conversation is not fluff. You said, we're trying to keep your damn job, right? So, so there, <laughs> while there is a personal element to it, it, it's not all personal. It's not all, oh, that's sweet. We're going to talk about diversity and inclusion. It has no place in business, but it's what we should do. It's like, no, no, it's both. Uh, which I think is very insightful for folks that may not, you know, think about, oh, oh, well, that's what we must talk about because it's the rule of the day. We got to get that diversity inclusion in there. It's like, well, no, it will lead to stronger, better businesses. Stephen, final thoughts from you, sir. Yeah, I, I like James's idea um, of it's not just diversity and inclusion. We're talking about people. And since people like to talk about themselves, let them, right? Because this is hard. And it's scary. It's, it's scary to be vulnerable at work, right? Um, but I think the more you learn and the more you know, the easier it becomes. So then it's not really becoming comfortable being uncomfortable. It's actually becoming comfortable with each other, with people, people other than you, right? Whatever that means, whether that's your function or your race or your gender, it's, it's all diversity and it's all inclusive, right? It's the and part of it. So you add the art and the and, I, I think that's it. I mean, you, you, we'll get there, right? We're resilient. We are a resilient nation. We are a resilient people. Um, and, and I think whatever, whatever it is we put our minds to, we get closer to attaining, right? But those journeys take a minute. So, you know, we're far from perfect. I'm far from perfect as a human being. So we also don't want to act like oh, we got the market cornered because if we did, we'd be selling this to everyone, right? We bottle it up and ship it out. Okay. Um, but, I, but I think the desire is there on every level to be bigger, better, bad, badder, stronger um, as both a business and individuals and, and functions, right? And I think that's where we want to stay. Well, we could certainly talk about this forever. I know I could <laughs> because I love getting into it, right? To, to make this more than just a, oh, that's nice. They're doing diversity. Cause that's, you know, you gotta go deeper than that. But I appreciate you gentlemen and look forward to you at the RLPSA annual conference in March. But uh, we hope to have you back on Talk LP because I'd love to continue these conversations, um, especially with the loss prevention and security slant. So I'm getting you on record now. We'll have to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. Talk LP, thank you. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks guys. Cause, cause, cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.